Philadelphia Union, San Jose Earth, DC, Los Angeles Galaxy, Beach Pass, Colorado Rapids, Vancouver Whitecaps, Seattle Sounders, Montreal Impact, Beach USA, New York Red Bulls, Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. Hello, welcome to the pod. We appreciate you downloading it, and uh, we thank you for doing that. We're knee-deep in MLS playoffs, so... Uh, the home and homes have begun, so let's get right into that. Uh, PitchPass.com, you know where to go for all that. Exactly. So, we will talk to Joshua Myers. He is of the Seattle Times, and he is covering Seattle Sounders as they get ready for their second leg in Portland on Thursday against Portland Timbers. They go into the fixture or the tie down 2-1. So we'll get an injury update on all the Sounders injuries. Uh, anything we need to know about Sounders, we'll get it from Josh later on in the show. But first, we go to another fixture or tie that is also 2-1 heading to the second leg. This will be New England versus Sporting Kansas City. New England takes that advantage to Sporting Park on Wednesday. So let's talk to New England Revolution defender AJ Soares right now on Pitch Pass. AJ, how are you? Good, how are you? I feel you just, li- like I heard you just landed, literally, you're just, just on the ground in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, that's right. And so what do you, here's my thing, when I think about you guys, did you guys fly commercially this time? Uh, yeah, we did. How do you kind of stay focused on the big job at hand, uh, which for you guys is tomorrow, uh, when you're going through the, the usual, what we all go through when we travel uh, through a commercial flight? I mean, we're used to flying commercials, so it's nothing different for us. You know, I don't think there's, uh, I don't think there's anything that is distracting or anything about it. You know, it's just what we're used to doing, and you know, it's just just another travel day and another game tomorrow, and you know, that's all it is. But these home and homes aren't things that you are used to, um, especially the after the playoff drought, which you guys have ended. Uh, how do you prepare differently, knowing that you've got an opponent back to back, which you guys just did with Columbus, correct? Yeah, we did. I mean, there's, you don't really prepare differently. You know, each game is independent. Each game is going to line up differently. You know, there's going to be a few different players on the field. It's going to play out differently. You know, you're in a different stadium. So, it, you know, we just we played the game last week, and, you know, this week we've been preparing for a game, and nothing's changed in terms of knowing that it's the same opponent. You know, obviously we're familiar with them, you know, especially because we did just play them a week ago. But, you know, we just... Like I said, you know, we're we're staying on a normal routine. We're preparing for games the same way. We're, you know, traveling the same way, and we're just moving forward. I always kind of am fascinated by that because I think, okay, you guys have a game plan for an opponent. You execute that game plan. You got the result you needed uh, in New England at Foxborough with a 2-1 result. Is there a tendency, and maybe it doesn't even happen with you, maybe it happens with, with Jay Heaps and the coaching staff, where you go, okay, well, that game plan worked, they're going to adjust, so now we need to adjust the game plan, or do we just go, okay, that worked, let's see if it'll work again? No, I mean, I think uh, I think you learn and you try to improve from the first game, but you know, you you got to focus on yourself. You know, you want to learn about your your opponent, you want to watch film on them, of course, learn their tendencies, understand the little details they're going to do, but at the end of the day, we need to go out and we need to play our game and we need to execute, you know, the way that we play if we want to win the game. So, you know, to focus too much on them and try to, you know, counter adjust back at what they might be doing, it's, it's getting too specific. You know, we need to focus on ourselves, play our best game plan. And if we do that, we win. You know, we beat teams when we play our best. 
It'll be interesting because you know a lot of times when you when you need a, a draw or 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 a or a win or as it stands now you guys would go through uh, teams tend to bunker down. I guess it really wouldn't matter. You wouldn't play differently as a defender. Um, maybe the midfield and the and the forwards play differently. But but is that a, an interesting dynamic as you go into a match knowing that you kind of already have the result that you need? Uh, it, it would be an interesting dynamic if if we focused on it, but we don't focus on that. You know, we like I said, we look at it like an independent game. We're going in the game tomorrow to try to win the game, and if you know that's the best mentality to go into any game. I think if you try and focus too much on you know what exactly you need in order to go through in the full leg, you know, then you you end up focusing on something other than what actually will win you the game. So, you know, we, we're focused on going in and trying to win the game and. In the end of the day, you know, we hope that the result is the one that we need to move forward. But we're not trying to go in there and bunker down and tie or anything like that. So you, I think if you do that, you know, you're just you're just inviting the team to come at you. So you are almost guaranteeing us here that we will not see any tweets during the match about the Revs parking a bus at any point during a match. Uh, I didn't say that. No. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, we're we're gonna do what we have to do to win the game. That's what that's what our goal is. So whatever it takes, I don't care what the style is or anything, and we're going to adjust as the game goes. But, you know, we're not going into the game, uh, you know, planning on just trying to get a tie. I noticed that you've gone, speaking of Twitter, you've gone complete Twitter silence for the last month or so. And I'm assuming that's before the playoff run to get yourself focused on that. But the last few tweets that you've got hanging out there are all uh, basically America's Cup related. Yeah, I like the America's Cup. My my parents used to work for Dennis Conner back in the day. Oh, all right. In Australia, so yeah, so I've always followed that it's part of my family, and uh, so you know I really enjoy it. And also, you know, living in the Bay Area, it was fun to watch it up there. Well, you, uh, you know, being in the Bay this year. Yeah, and I think you know I'm an East Coast guy, so uh, Americans who are into sailing, you don't you don't come across them very often, especially uh, you know professional athletes who are tweeting about sailing. Uh, yeah, well, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting sport, and I think it's it's a sport that not a lot of people are aware of. But it's the everything that goes into it is pretty incredible. The money, the technology, just the level of athletes that these guys are. So you know, I definitely enjoy it. You mentioned your parents working for Dennis Conner in what capacity? Um, just you know, just him as a business. I got I suppose it. Is the best okay. way to describe it. Okay, I, I thought maybe they were like working on the boats or the yachts or whatever. Uh, I mean, they definitely were, they were involved in all that. You know, my dad was a fisherman and he was a sailor too. So he, uh, you know, he would, he and would also help Dennis, you know, they'd build two boats and they'd tweak them and adjust. And he, my dad was always involved on the boats too, like that. And I think my mom actually was, was able to be the 17th man or whatever in one of the races Wow. Um, back when they used to do that. So, yeah, I mean, we're definitely... Definitely something I've always been, uh, you know, interested in. So, if things had gone differently, we would see you on, say, Oracle, uh, doing something for America's Cup, perhaps. Yeah, I think it's been, uh, I think it's been positive. It's brought it to the forefront, and it's there's more fans now than there were, you know, two years ago. So. I wanted to ask you about the D because or the defense because we had Lee win on earlier in the year, and you know, I, I've enjoyed watching the Revs play offensively all year um, just with all of the attacking options. But uh, one of the underrated parts, at least on a national level has been your defense and how you guys have tightened things up from, from last year to this year. Um, how much of an influence 
did uh, Gonsalves have for you? And when did you know, oh, I've got a really nice connection with this guy? Well, he's um, he's very experienced. You know, he's, he's played at the top level in Europe. He's played in, you know, um, European games and, you know, European League as in, you know, Europa League or whatever. And um, so, you know, he obviously has experience, more experience than I do. And uh, just knowing that, you know, I, I just have been open-minded and listening to him and trying to, you know, absorb everything he has to say. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been great to play with him. Um, but really, it's, it's not about one individual player or anything. We have a, we have so much depth all over the field. But just a guy like Darius Barnes, you know, stepping in in the Columbus game, Cole just, you know, hasn't hasn't played in a few games and just steps in and does a job. You know, he's incredible. And then, obviously, last game, he was great again. So, um, you know, it, it, the whole group is, is tight, and, and Jose has brought a lot to the group, and everybody, you know, puts their own input in. And uh, overall, you know, I think the defense has a good connection, you know, with each other and as a whole unit. And um, in the end of the day, though, it comes down to all 11 players defending and, and all 11 players attacking, and the group is committed to doing those things which are required to win, and that's why we're being successful. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, I'll, I'll re-ask the question on a, on a broader scale because you mentioned um, the depth that the Revs have throughout the team. When did you realize that, holy crap, we've got a really good and deep team and we could make a run? Because I think if you talk to a lot of people, uh, maybe even mid-season of this year, uh, people would have looked at the Revolution and said, wow, they've got a lot of nice young pieces or in a year from now, they're really going to be really good. But you guys have turned that on your head and, and are making your run this year. When did you guys realize this team was deep and good? Well, we always knew we were good. You know, we've always been very talented. And, um, you know, you can, you can just tell, in, you know, in preseason when we came in, the, the level of training and the ability of guys with the ball, you, you can just tell the group is it's a high-level High talented group, and you know, so we. I think we always knew it. It you know the season's difficult though. It's, you know, it's a couple of results here and there that either go your way or don't. That can make the difference. You know, it was there was teams that missed out on the playoffs that you know had a lot of points, and there was you know it, there was a lot of a lot of people battling this year for the spots. So I, I don't think um, I don't think you ever know. Oh yeah, hey, we're good. We're gonna qualify for the playoffs. Uh, but you know, we were confident all year. You know, starting in preseason, but you know, then towards the end of the season, it's a grind, and it's you're so focused on each week that you don't really even see the full picture. And at the in the end of the day, you know, we finished third, and we just we looked up and we said, all right, you know, we have a game next week. Let's start preparing. You know, it wasn't. I don't think there was ever a big realization. It kind of just we we were very focused. We uh, you know we worked our butts off each week to get prepared for the game that was right in front of us. And like I said, you know, after all the games were done in the regular season, we looked up and. We saw where we were, and we've moved forward. I wanted to ask you a serious question about um, the the Miami Dolphins situation. You know, you're the first professional yep. athlete that I'm talking to since that story broke. So uh, I don't want you to think that it has anything to do with you or the Revolution locker, but locker room. But I I, I am curious uh, what as a professional athlete, as a guy who spends a lot of time in professional locker rooms, um, what were your thoughts when that story broke, and, and what? What are your feelings maybe after the fact, thinking to yourself, okay, what's the difference between some lighthearted or good fun hazing of rookies and bullying? I mean, the you know, for one, I don't know enough about the situation. I don't know the Miami Dolphins organization. I don't know the individuals. So 
you know, don't take anything, you know, I couldn't give a, a good opinion on the whole situation. In the end of the day, though, you know, I I think you you need to treat people nice. You can't, you know, I, I don't stand for racism, you know, uh, sexism, anything, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that none of that goes on in, in any of the locker, locker rooms in our league. And it certainly doesn't go on, you know, on in our locker room. But, you know, it's uh, it's something that they'll deal with and hopefully something that sports in general can learn from. All right. Well, then let me ask you this. And speaking specifically about a revolution locker room, that kind of attitude or alleged attitude wouldn't be tolerated. And if it would be if it if it, if it were to occur, um, the thing that we're hearing a lot is a veteran influence, somebody to come in and, and kind of put a hammer down and say, you know, that kind of attitude won't be dealt with. You guys have that in your locker room, correct? Yeah, I mean, we have a tight-knit group, you know, that, so that, it just, it wouldn't happen in the first place in the Revolution locker room, but, you know, I think any, uh, I think, I think any person is going to stand up for somebody who's being bullied, whether it's in pro sports or not, you know, I think that's the right thing to do, so, you know, in our locker room, yeah, I'm sure people would stand up for, for somebody, and, um, but like I said, you know, I don't know anything about the situation, so you, you can't really take anything, you know, my opinion about the situation, you know, with any with any real uh, anything behind it. Well, let me ask you this. This may be something that you do know about. I, when I when I look up things on AJ Soares, obviously you go to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. you, you kind of take all that with a grain of salt. But on the MLS site, um, you know, where it lists your your history and then under your personal stuff, uh, one of the one of the little tidbits is launchedajsoares.com. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, he's got a website. Let's see what's on there, if there's anything fun. That is the most strangest website I've ever seen, AJ. So is that AJSource.com? Is that you? And what is it? Uh, I don't I, I, like, at one time I had, like, in college I had, I owned the AJSource.com, but I don't have the website. I've never been on it. I have never made it. And at some point I, you know, stopped owning it. So I'm sure somebody else has taken it. <laughs> from now, you know, so it's not, that has nothing to do with me. I have no idea what it is or what you're talking about, really, so. No, there, there's nothing profane. It's it's actually in a different language, so I couldn't even understand what it was. And oh, I was, no. I'm thinking to myself, oh, oh is AJ, no. AJ's got some undercover thing going on. He's playing some sort of game, and I like that. So, literally, no, 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 you no. don't have anything to do with AJSource.com. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, how do you how'd you let that go? That's your name. Uh, I don't think I'm, I'm big time enough to have my own website. So. <laughs> well, you know what? You guys make a strong MLS Cup push. Maybe you will need to get that name back at some point. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, good luck to you guys tomorrow. Uh, you guys are in Kansas City against Sporting Kansas City. Thank you. AJ Soares, we appreciate you taking some time. Thanks for having me. Put him in a tough spot with the Richie Incognito, Jonathan Martin situation. Uh, but, it, you know, you, you got a professional athlete. you got to ask that question. And I thank AJ for his candor uh, with the answer. Although I will disagree with him, no matter how big time you are, I think you definitely need to own your name.com. And I hope he doesn't come back. That doesn't come back and bite him in the butt at some point because uh, I see some big things in the future for AJ Soares, um, especially tomorrow as they take on Sporting Kansas City uh, in Kansas City with the Revs up 2-1. If we go a little further west, Portland, Thursday. It'll be the Timbers versus the Sounders. That is Portland 2-1 over Sounders going into their second leg. We have Josh Myers on the phone from the Seattle Times to talk about the Sounders. Josh, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, let's let's plug 
the Seattle Times chat first. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, Eddie Johnson did the live chat today. How did that go? It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, he's a he's an interesting character. So he was able to kind of see all the questions coming in from readers and pick and choose which one he liked and kind of joked around and had fun with it. So it was a good time. I've always wondered about live chats and and how much input the 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 host has. So he was actually looking them over and he was choosing the ones he wanted to answer. Uh, not a hundred percent, but uh, you know, he could see one that he liked, and uh, you know, in that format, we kind of yeah, we. We run all the ones before we publish them. We, you know, ask if it's all right to to pick that one, and we try to do a a mix of all sorts of things: some lighthearted ones, some mm-hmm. harder hitting ones. So, uh, yeah, there's certainly a format we do. It's not just uh, free reign. We kind of let them pick and choose which ones they answer. What's the biggest thing you learned from Eddie Johnson from the chat? Jeez, putting <laughs> me on the spot. There's so much to join in progress. Practice ran a little late. But, um, I don't know, that he considers himself better looking than Clint, that he considers himself <laughs> faster than DeAndre Yedlin. A lot of good stuff. <laughs> All right, where where can we find that? Is the link right on uh, seattletimes.com? Yeah, seattletimes.com slash sports. You should be able to find it. I was interested, um, you know, knowing the little that I know about the city of Seattle, how the Eddie Johnson act, for lack of a better word, plays in that city. Uh, how is he received in all of his idiosyncrasies? Certainly uh, the most polarizing character on the team, I would think. Um, and, yeah, maybe that is part of the, the culture up here in the Pacific Northwest. Maybe uh, controversy doesn't go so well over here when you're weighing it with production. Um, so it, it's certainly been something to something to follow when he's scoring goals, when he's having slumps, when he's acting up. Uh, you, you get people on both sides that maybe, uh, you know, come in with their own prejudices and their own – opinions on uh you know if he's a bad guy if he's a good guy and and kind of a that's the lens that they use to kind of judge everything that he does but it's hard to argue with the production and uh you know he's a guy that when when at his best i think this team uh, has a higher ceiling and has a different potential so he's certainly on the field one of the more important players on the team yeah i know we have a we have a big match coming up on thursday uh involving the sounders and i don't want to get uh, ahead of that match and and Fast forward into an off season or anything, but you know he 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 and Siggy are probably the two guys I do want to ask you about for future references or future purposes. What do you think or what have you been hearing about um, first Eddie Johnson's return for next year? I mean, I don't, I don't think we've gotten to that point yet, and I certainly haven't heard anything that makes me think he's for sure staying or for sure going. Uh, I don't know. I think the reports are out there that there's at least the centers option for him next year and you know i don't know if any decision's been made either way certainly he's a guy that obviously everyone knows wants to receive a little bit more money yeah so maybe uh the solution isn't just keeping him on at that contract option price for next year but i think the the team knows how valuable he can be on the field but you know it, it's never really that easy when you when you're talking about managing a cap there are so many pieces in place and and i don't know if i've kind of heard enough or People have been asked enough to kind of figure out 2014 when there's still a lot to be settled this year. Completely. I will ask you, though, how hot is the hot seat for, for Siggy Schmidt right now? Certainly there's a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, th- this is a fan base that isn't happy with just making the conference semifinals every year. Obviously, making the playoffs is a great accomplishment. And to do it five times in a, in a row is nothing to scoff at, but... 
you know, at, at some point this team needs to make a run and, and ownership is investing the millions that they are in the players to bring here. That's only going to add more pressure. Uh, you know, I get asked about Ziggy a lot when it comes to his job security and if he'll be back and should, uh, should he be back, you know, based on this playoff series. And, uh, you know, it, for me, it's always kind of hard to just judge it on one month, you know, one bad month they had in October. You really have to kind of step back and take a, you know, big picture look and, even if they do come back and beat the Timbers, you know, if, if you feel and if ownership feels that he isn't the best coach that they can get for the job, you know, that's something they have to consider. You are, so, you know, if if they go on and have a great run and you still don't think he's the best guy you can get, you know, you have to consider a change. And if, if they go on and lose and you think he's the best guy that you can get, you have to keep him. You kind of, I think you owe it to the fan base to have the absolute best coach that you can get for this job. And, Certainly the, the slump and the losing streak and potentially being knocked out by your rival would be all the arguments that ownership could make that this guy isn't the best for the job. But I, I always kind of want to take back, take a step back and look at the bigger picture when you're evaluating a big move like that. You know, and as a lot of, a lot of people will ask, and we, we'll get into the health status. You were at practice today uh, for the Sounders about the health going into the second leg match versus Portland uh, at Gerald Wynn. But how much of that is a factor in what has gone wrong or what went wrong in October? Because, you know, you alluded to it. It, it is, in the grand scheme of things, it was only one bad month, and it was really bad timing for that month, but it really was just one bad month of, of form from the Sounders. Yeah, certainly certainly the injuries and the call-ups were a factor all year. So I don't know if you can place the, I don't know, the huge slump that they had in October just based on that because, if it was an issue that they've been having all year, you know, maybe you thought it would have been more consistent poor play if if that was the main reason. So I don't want to put their struggles on just saying they had a few guys hurt and a few guys out because I think the issues on offense and defense and goalkeeper kind of went deeper than that in October. But when you're looking at the at the big picture and really the just the inconsistency that this team has had, they haven't been able to practice, you know, as a as a full team. We noticed it came to the regular season finale where they've kind of gone with a new formation that they've stuck with in the playoffs. And you think if you have everyone around, maybe you find out what your ideal formation is before the final game of the regular yeah. season. So those are kind of the, the ways that it has really affected this team and, and maybe kind of had them disjointed as they kind of get to this final run. I got to give the Sounders fans credit. Uh, they were in full voice for, for almost the entire match um, at CenturyLink. But I also have to think in the back of my mind, this fan base must be a bit stunned at the results that they've seen from this team and not nearly what they were expecting uh, when when all the DP started flooding in over the summer. Yeah, it's hard not to, to have those trophy expectations yeah. when you hear these big names. I mean, it would have been enough with Obafemi Martins. That was a huge signing for this club. Yep. And then five months later or whatever, you're adding Clint Dempsey to the mix, so... And then they go on a hot winning streak. They win five in a row. They're in first place. They're thinking maybe supporter shield. They're thinking one seed in the playoffs. You know, you have home field advantage. So if you get through, the MLS Cup would be in Seattle. It's hard not to look ahead to all those things when it's all going right. So, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, that all plays into it. Uh, the big criticism was did they spend enough and did they have the big stars to lead them to a championship? So when you think, you finally get those stars, you know, you, you want to make that leap. So 
certainly there is some impatience. You know, I think there there is a segment of the fan base that sees kind of the improvement that they've made and some consistency that they've been able to develop over the last week to maybe give them a little bit of confidence going into Thursday. But, it, you know, you could only have 90 minutes left in your season as well. We're recording this on a on a Tuesday, the match on Thursday, so I'm assuming this was really the last, uh, even if it wasn't, it probably wasn't even that hard of a practice, but the last really, hey, if you're going to be out there uh, on Thursday, you better be out there today at practice. And you had a couple of updates on your Twitter feed uh, about guys that, that were question marks. So give us the latest on first uh, Yedlin and then Martins. Yeah, so this was the last practice they'll have in Seattle. They'll do one more practice Wednesday in Portland, and both DeAndre Yedlin and Femi Martins were on the practice field. Coach said that they, uh, Coach Ziggy Schmidt said they were able to do everything they wanted him to do. So certainly, uh, if you're listening to what the coach says and, and seeing them out on the field, you, you're certainly expecting uh, maybe both of them might be available. Uh, you know, I'm expecting if DeAndre is available as a, as a starter, certainly, and uh, maybe Femi, maybe that means off the bench for him if they need, but. You know, indications were good on Tuesday. Schmidt said he was uh, really, really encouraged with what Obafemi was able to do after he's missed the last five games. And can we expect something from him? I know you said that he could play a part uh, maybe off the substitutes bench, but but is he at the point where he can give you something other than just, say, uh, a fear of a DP coming off the bench? That's going to be... Hard to judge. Obafemi's been a guy that's really been in and out of the lineup and in, unavailable for all sorts of injuries. He's had knee injuries and muscle injuries and now a groin injury. So it, it, it kind of is almost hard to count on what you're going to get from him. You almost have to think that it's a bonus if he's going to be able to give you something. Uh, if his upward track of recovery you know, continues in these next couple of days, you know, uh, when you're looking at the Sounders bench, They've had guys like David Estrada and Eric Zavaleta. I would think that even kind of a hobbled Obafemi Martins provides more of a threat than kind of those younger, untested guys. So it's it's kind of hard to predict, kind of hard to project. You know, it could be a, one of those wild card factors. We wait on Thursday right before kickoff to see how involved he could be. Something that the Sounders have never had, Josh, is a keeper situation. Uh, they're in the middle of one right now. Uh, for people who may not know, take us back over the last month and, and tell us how we ended up at this point where we really don't know for sure who the Sounders keeper is. Yeah, it's been crazy. Over, over the first four and a half years, they hadn't really made any goalkeeper changes except for a odd injury or suspension. And then, uh, you know, Sperning's been, been hurt. And then he, he comes back, and in the start of October, he has, he suffers two horrible losses. They lost 5-1 in Colorado, and then they come home after that, and they lose 4-1 to Vancouver, and just everything seems like it's going wrong. A lot of attention is on the goalkeeper position, and uh, so Ziggy drops Spurning from the lineup. They go into the Portland game and the Dallas game with Marcus Hanneman in the lineup. Then after that, Sperning comes back in for the regular season finale against L.A. and starts again against Colorado in the playing game. And then he gets a crazy red card against the Rapids in the 85th minute, and Hanneman has to come back in for the first leg against Portland. So it's been absolutely nuts. They've had more changes in the past 20 games than they had in their first four and a half years with Casey Keller and Sperning starting. So it's been crazy, but they say they're confident in both. I think the team's confident in both. But certainly you'd like to see some stability there. 
I how, would think. Well, how much is on the the two keepers, and, and how much is on? Uh, and I'm looking specifically at at the central defenders uh, in this run of form that they've had. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, you know, it, it's easy to blame the goalkeepers a lot of the time, and it's hard to maybe blame Marcus so much for the two goals that they allowed in the first leg of the series to the Timbers. But what you really haven't seen from the Sounders, I don't think, for a while, is kind of that stunning save, that save that you're not expected to make. Some of the saves we've seen from maybe Jaime Pinedo and Donovan Ricketts over the past few weeks where they save points maybe or, or you know, get get something for your team that maybe you didn't deserve or you didn't expect. So they really haven't been getting that boost from the goalkeeper position, I don't think, even if the play has been steady enough. And, uh, you know, also the, the central defenders aren't helping. You look at Jimmy Treari and John Candy Hurtado both kind of misplay the Timbers' first goal, and Treori takes the blame a lot for the Nagby goal. So, yeah, it, it's been collective, but I certainly think uh, they could have been getting more from the goalkeeper position, too. I'm not going to put you on the spot. It's just we know it's a big game. It's Thursday at Jailed Wynn, uh, Seattle versus Portland Timbers. Uh, Josh Myers, thank you so much for, for joining us. We appreciate you setting that whole match up for us. Thanks a lot for having me. For more show information, go to pitchpass.com.